Hello and welcome to episode four of the Auditorium Podcast with myself, your host, Dr. David Brownwell, and my co-host, David Mountfield. Mr. Hello. <laughs> That's your, um, is that your professional radio voice there? Yes, that is. That, uh, I'm, I'm experimenting with different voices. Uh, I can see you're experimenting yeah. with different different sounds within each word there. I yeah, think, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm offering people a smorgasbord of voices. <laughs> if they'd like to write in and say which is their favourite, I will stick with it. Is it. Maybe it's a good time to uh, let the listeners know again, just in case someone's just tuned in for the first time, what the what the auditorium's about. Should we, should we do that? All right, if you insist. Uh, okay, so the Auditorium podcast is a collection of talks from uh, various events that uh, the two of us have been involved with. One of them is the Catalyst Club. It's a night I've been hosting for over 10 years in, in Brighton in the UK where people come and talk about their passions. They get 15 minutes on stage and then a, it's a live Q&A with the audience. And the Auditorium itself has been touring various UK festivals over the years with um, with different uh, different speakers. Sometimes there's a bit of a loose theme that we, we ran uh, a tent last year with a bit of an occult theme. Um, esoteric material was, uh, was the order of the day. Um, and uh, what else? Well, and there's also a night called the Wellsbourne uh, in Brighton, which we run. So the, the, these talks come from various different places and times. But the uh, the central theme is passion. The idea of this podcast is things people, people are really into things people really love, and, yeah. and so they don't have to be professionals or experts. Just just people with um, with an interest in something unusual. And and in the UK, we sort of we have a plethora, don't we, of uh, of eccentrics in, I, in the UK. I, I think even the very ordinary people if you scratch them, will have at least one truly odd interest. Uh, it, it's sort of a national pastime, isn't it, is being interested in something a little peculiar. Spanking, usually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> anyway, enough of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's move on to our, our, uh, our, guest, our guest today. So our guest is John Higgs, and... John is uh, well. This talk has got kind of everything you want, really. It's got it's got floating eyeballs. It's got dragons. It's got gods. And and John is John's talking about. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. My my eyes have just fallen out. Let me just catch them. Oh, well I, caught. I, I caught them. Well, good work. Let's put them back in. Okay. Okay. That will make sense in about ten minutes. <laughs> if you if you make it through, otherwise it will just be a meaningless link. Yeah. <laughs> um, John's putting forward the case for Saint Alban being a better. Uh, patron saint of England than St George. In fact, St George gets a bit of a kicking in this talk. There's Absolutely. some fascinating facts about the, the history and the mythology of St Alban. Anyway, without further ado, here he is, Mr John Higgs, on the story of St Alban. Yeah, so I got a call from David last night in tears, saying, could you come and talk about something? And um, my mind went back to uh, the longest day, to the summer solstice. I caught the train to St. Albans to uh, witness 12-foot-tall puppets recreating um, the beheading uh, of the first Christian martyr, St. Alban himself. It's kind of a weird, a weird, weird thing. The Ian Brown-like figure on the left, that's St. Albans, as you can see. He's surrounded by a lot of uh, very Blakeian angels and there's some, some giant floating eyes there, which gives, gives the whole thing the air of... Um, an episode of Sesame Street directed by Jodorowsky. Um, there was a, a commentator uh, explaining things over the tannoy, and from his voice I got the impression that he was a local radio DJ and he was giving like useful facts. And he'd say things like, um, this is all historically accurate, you know, there were lions in Alban's time. Um, as if, you know, when you're watching the angels or, or the giant eyeballs, you'd be going, oh, I can't handle a couple of big cats, it's just nuts. And occasionally he'd come up with things like, he'd say, 
we have his bones, you know, we have his bones, which is not the sort of thing you want to hear in a local radio, radio DJ's voice. It's very disturbing. Um, but anyway, they, they reenacted the whole thing. At the end, uh, Alban uh, lost his head. Uh, the bishop got to do his Lion King thing. It all got a bit wicker man. And it was a great day out. There was bands and, and marching and children and Morris dancing and all that sort of thing. And I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I don't think there's any story that isn't better when told through the medium of 12-foot-tall puppets. Um, but the re I should explain why I went. It's, it was partly it was research for the book after the book I'm writing. Um, but it was partly because I've always had a bit of a problem with this guy here. This is St. George. He's, he's the patron saint of a few dozen countries. He's the patron saint of people with herpes and syphilis. He's also somehow the patron saint of England. Sort of thing, and you know, England had a patron saint. It had uh, Edward the Confessor was our patron saint, but unfortunately, we also had Plantagenet Crusader kings, and these were people who weren't interested in England. They rarely came to England. They didn't speak English, and they decided to impose on us for their own political ends. This character, who they were all very much into. It was a very much a statement of um, you're taking our culture, you know, we're not taking your culture. And as a patron saint goes, he's useless. Just from a, from a Christian level, right, he, he's, a, he's a mercenary, right, from Roman Palestine. So he's good at killing people, right? That's not what a Christian saint's about at all. On a national level, he may not have even heard of England. He'd never been here. He'd never sort of visited at all. But the reason that I really, I've always disliked him is, I mean, we're supposed to be a nation of animal lovers, right? <laughs> and uh, people will say, oh, dragons are dangerous, you have to kill them. <laughs> it's a fact, right? It's a true fact. The amount of people killed by dragons out of all of history is zero, okay? <laughs> Compare that to crusading mercenary plantagenets. It's a bad, it's a bad, we're on the wrong side in this one. And, He's got this horrible flag. It's got this cross, this crucifix, right? Um, which is a, an Iron Age torture implement. And while the Christians go, well, we'll, we'll use this, this crucifix to sort of, you know, meditate on suffering. He's gone, oh, I'll, I'll get this Iron Age uh, torture implement and I'll just color it in blood red. I'll make it blood red. What sort of, what sort of message is that trying to send? It's... Um, I've never liked the flag, I've never liked St. George, I've never identified with him. Um, and, but it's never been easy to replace him with someone like the original guy, like Edward the Confessor, because at least he had a dragon, you know, Edward the Confessor did nothing, really. He just, uh, he confessed. Yeah. <laughs> There's no story there. But in St. Alban, we have a guy who ticks all the boxes to be a patron saint. I'll tell you briefly his story. St. Alban uh, was a pagan guy. He lived in uh, a Roman, a, British, a Romano British town called Verulanium. Um, and at one point, there was a knock on his door, and he answered it. And there was a, a Christian priest called Amphibulus there. And Amphibulus goes, well, you don't know me, but uh, the Romans are trying to kill me, and can I come and hide in your house? And uh, Alban goes, yeah, you can come and hide in my house. So he, he hid there for a couple of days. And then Alban said to Amphibolus, um, when the Romans were getting closer, when they was about to be discovered, he goes, tell you what, 
I'll wear your cloak. I'll disguise myself as you. I'll distract the Romans and you can escape. And Amphibolus did not say, don't be mad, Auburn, you'll get yourself killed. He said, great. And he effed off to Wales. It's not very Christian. Because Alban was indeed captured, and as soon as the Romans realised their mistake, they thought, well, we'll chop his head off anyway. Which is what happened. Um, but Al when, he, when he was beheaded, he had, um, I guess you'd call it some form of, you know, Gnostic revelation, which turned him into the first Christian martyr in this country. And that's why the Christians are all very keen to promote him as, as a, a replacement for St. George. He's the first Christian martyr. Uh, he's, he, saw, he was killed vaguely for sort of the sins of others, which is sort of symbolically okay. So he ticks all those boxes. And also, for everyone else, you know, he's a guy who was helping out a mate. You know, that's, that's British values, you know, that's, that's the sort of guy we want. But when he was beheaded, uh, a wonderful miracle occurred. And it's a good one. It's a really good one. It really makes the story, okay? The moment the executioner swung his sword and sliced Alban's head off, both of the executioner's eyes fell out. <laughs> that's pretty good. Storytelling-wise, that's pretty good. That knocks head with the confessor to cocktail. That's the sort of detail that George R. R. Martin, right, could have spun a career out of. That's the. I was when I was waiting for the, the thing with the puppets. Uh, I overheard a small uh, kid in the crowd next to me, and he said, um, "Dad, I'm bored." When are the eyes going to fall out? <laughs> and at that point, I realised, yeah, this is the myth we want. This is the story we want. It appeals to everyone. His eyes fall out. It's great. In this particular rendering of it, as you can see, the, um, the executioner um, brilliantly managed to catch both of his eyes. <laughs> at the same time, he's decapitating Auburn. Yeah, just both in one hand. I mean, he didn't know it was going to happen. You know, his reactions must have been, must have been amazing. There's, um, um, yeah, so, uh, so they chopped his head off, and uh, a few years later, the Romans stopped persecuting Christians, and uh, so the local Christians gathered together, and they, they got Alban's bones, and they built a shrine at the, at the site uh, where he was killed, where he was beheaded, and they called that site shrine, and they gave it his name, the Shrine of St. Alban's, and they put his bones inside. And then 500 years later, um, on our left, that's King Offer of Mercia. Mercia, um, Offer wanted a, a Mercian religious centre to rival, you know, Canterbury or, or somewhere like that. And for that, what you really need is uh, a shrine with the bones of a saint. That's what brings the big bucks in. So here we see Offer, he turns up, he gets the bones out again. Uh, in the middle, there's one of his men just polishing the skull, you know, keeping it all nice. Uh, and he built uh, an abbey, and that abbey uh, became a cathedral. Um, and it was given, again, given his name and his bones were put into it. And it was a success and around it sprung a market and a village and that became the town of St. Albans. Um, so I can see a sort of weird continuity uh, between the man who becomes a shrine, who becomes an abbey, who becomes a, a cathedral, who becomes a city, because they all have his name and they all contain his bones. 
this is um, this is an artist's representation of the main temple in Verulanium. This is a Roman pagan temple. When Alban was alive, this is where he would have gone to worship more more likely than not. Uh, and if if you look who this temple is dedicated to, uh, I think it's Sibyl and Attis. Sibyl and her, her consort Attis. Attis was a, a god of rebirth, a vegetation god of of, of being born again. Uh, and Sybil was the god of cities and civilization and, and progress. So I sort of love the idea that there was this, this, this pagan guy going around and, 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 his, and he would go and worship uh, rebirth and cities. And then the moments just before he killed, he had this great you know, Gnostic revelation and he was turned first into a shrine and then into a cathedral and then into a city. And you can take this idea further if you want to go because the root of the word Alban uh, is the same root as Albion, which was the first name of these, uh, these islands long, long before words like um, England or Scotland or Wales existed or even Britannia or, or Britain. Uh, this was the island of Albion and, and Ireland was called Lern. These were, these were the two places. Uh, and he has the same name as, 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 as this island. Uh, and this island does have his bones. So if you're looking for uh, a, a saint, a patron saint, or someone to personify um, this country, he does it in a way that reminds you of the time before all the arbitrary political you know, boundaries and borders were sort of scarred into the island. He sort of, he sort of brings back memory of the time when things were you know, fresh and new and, and, uh, and, and before our conflicts. And so if come April 23rd, you get the usual, you know, Daily Mail or Daily Express people go, we, we were not celebrating St. George at all. You know, we're not saying St. George's Day, you know. Tell them, fuck St. George, you know. <laughs> it's Shakespeare's birthday, you can celebrate that day. But if you want a patron saint or someone of this island who, who, who ticks all the boxes, who's got a great story, who's, uh, who's got a story where eyes come out, who you celebrate on Midsummer's Day, I'd just like to suggest you St. Alban. Thanks very much. John Higgs there, um, with, I think, quite a compelling argument for replacing bad St. George with good St. Alban. I am going to start a change.org online campaign. I'm going to get those 100,000 signatures and force force Parliament to debate this because I think it's it's time for a change. I mean, and why not have our own saint? Why why have a sort of saint that's everybody else's? We've we've got a top notch saint there. We should we should be bigging him up, frankly. During John's talk we we did uh, sketch a list of um, of other potential contenders, didn't we? Uh, yes, Mr. we Matfield? did. Yes, it's time. It's time for a, a contemporary. So who have we got here? We've got we've got Sir Ken Robinson, who I'm, I'm a big fan of, the education guru. You wrote down Bernard Cribbins. Yes, I think that's self-explanatory. I don't think I need to justify that. Well, I think maybe some of our non-English listeners might might not know. All right. Who well, Bernard if Cribbins you've is. ever seen the Railway Children, Bernard Cribbins plays third the, on the left. Uh, no, he plays the <laughs> he plays the station guard who doesn't like taking charity. Uh, what better reason for being a patron saint of England? Exactly. Good choice. He was. He was. He in, was also uh, in Doctor Who. Our producer is just screaming. No, no, no. So, uh, so Doctor Who, Railway Children, Saint. There you go. That's all yeah, you need to know. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and what else we got? We got. He's also the one 1970s entertainer who hasn't been done for fiddling with people. So <laughs> that's that's that puts him in a unique Yet. position. Um, <laughs> who else we got? We've got David. Art, you put that down just for uh, for the sheer mischief factor. Julian Cope. I put down. I think Cope would make a. Uh, no, David. Art. You know. I mean, I know he's lunatic, but you know his proposition that uh, uh, the existence. 
is a hologram. Uh, and that uh, sort of, and we control. Okay, moving on to we've no, no, got. But it's being uh, researched. <laughs> it's being researched in in California, Caltech, as as a genuine theory, and it's it's scientists are loving it. <laughs> so you're saying right. you're saying David Ike is is at the cutting edge of of modern of qu- modern quantum physics. Yes, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we've, got, we've got Julian Cope, uh, we've got Morrissey, Jim Whitfield from Terry and June and the oh, Korean films. Oh, by the films. way, Julian Cope, I just want to point out, Julian Cope is, has done a new series of um, fake albums yes, with his yeah, book, yeah. which are absolutely brilliant. Check them out online. They're, they're hilarious. Well, I've been, I've, I've seen him at a few uh, festivals uh, recently, right. and uh, he, yes, he's got a new, new, new book out, hasn't he? His, yeah. his Gnostic Hooligan Road yeah. road trip book, <laughs> and he's been peering on stage wearing gauntlets and dressing like Lemmy from Motorhead. Oh, I mean, fantastic. again, there's a great reason for being patrons saint of england absolutely and um, we've got pj harvey i think for obvious reasons pj harvey is very also very passionate about um, england english politics eddie Izzard, the comic ian banks the writer who is scottish but um you know we don't have that getting yeah, away but he's, he does propose a fantastic universal view i'd vote for ian m banks i would i would not have ian banks okay spike right. milligan that was mine johnny vegas that was yours alistair crowley Alistair Crowley, you sneaked that on, didn't you? I Alistair did sneak Crowley that for patron sake. What are we trying for here? <laughs> the, 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 the United Kingdom of HP Lovecraft. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I put that. And John Lennon, which is it's a bit obvious, really, he's already got an airport. Um, yeah. I think. I think uh, being, that's enough. It is enough, anyway. So, um, so John's talk. I really enjoyed John's talk. I think John is is uh, is a. Is a Wonderful man. Actually, I highly recommend his, uh, his his books, including his novels as well. He wrote a couple of novels, uh, one called the, the First Church on the Moon and another called uh, Brandy of the Damned. First Church on the Moon has got a, it's got a lovely section in it. It's a very mischievous book. If you like your kind of Douglas Adams or uh, Kurt Vonnegut style humour. Which I do. He, well, me too. And he, it's said in the future when um, someone forgot to, to back up the internet and it crashed. And so all knowledge of the late 20th and, and early 20th century is, is pretty much lost, except for, you know, it's kind of hearsay and myths. And there's a new Bible. And no one knows who wrote this new Bible, and and it, and it's and so there is a movement um, to attribute the new Bible to a man called Richard Dawkins because they know <laughs> um, they know that he was very interested in religion um, right. back in the early twenty first century, <laughs> and so it was probably his, wasn't it? Um, it was either him or the drummer of a Britpop band. Um, uh, I, I love John. So anyway, John's books highly recommend. That sounds excellent. Recommend yeah. You've John's recommended book. that to me before. That's on my must read list. So we've been uh, asking listeners to uh, to the Auditorium podcast to to write in and challenge uh, Mr. Mountfield with um, uh, his his memory because Dave for, for many many years you did a uh, did a memory man act on yeah. stage and and it, I've got to be honest it is extraordinary the um, the, the the depth and breadth of uh, of your knowledge of um, I mean I've got to say fairly inane facts but um, <laughs> but it's still it's still extraordinary and you know, I try uh, you I do try. you certainly do and so we've got a we've got a letter here from a Martin Fish from the Netherlands mm-hmm. and he would like to know what is the largest bridge in Norway the largest bridge okay I'm just got to focus a bit now <laughs> it's the Drammen bridge completed in 1975 over 1800 meters in length oh thank you can we can we, can we double check that with our producer um yeah, we're getting the thumbs up. We're getting the thumbs up from uh, from our from our producer. So I, well done. I don't know how I do it. So I honestly don't know how. I, I don't do know it. how you do it. Um, so Martin, uh, thank you for writing in. I hope that um, you know solves that riddle for you. If you'd like to write in and challenge Mr. Mountfield um, with uh, with a, with a question, a query, or something that Anything, uh, something really. that's been troubling you, yeah. and some facts that you'd like uh, personal uh, issues researched, uh, yes, personal stuff. Then uh, as always, you can write to Mr. Mountfield and and Dr. Bramwell. Uh, auditorium podcast England and that will get to us 
and we'll uh, we'll read out or we'll, we'll we'll go into the dark recesses of Dave's mind again and see if he can find those answers for you in our next podcast. But please, no 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 SAEs. We can't send anything back. We unfortunately we can't reply at all, can we? By by post and things like that. No no no. Anything that's sent will just be put in the bin afterwards. That's right. The Auditorium is presented by Dr. Bramwell and Mr. Mountfield and is produced by Andrew Mailing and Dr. Lance Dan. Find out more about us and upcoming live events at oddpodcast.com. To speak at one of our events, or just to say hello, email oddpodcastuk at gmail.com. Tales from the Auditorium regularly feature in Ernest Journal, a magazine for the curious and adventurous. To pick up a copy, head to earnestjournal.co.uk.